And welcome once again to another edition of A Plain Answer here at Redeemer Broadcasting. I'm Dan Elmendorf. On the Skype line with us today is Dave Walsh, Managing Director of Dakota Group. And Dave, it's an honor to have you on with us today. Well, thanks for having me. Deeply appreciate it. I first learned of you by watching uh, The War Room, and uh, I really like that program and get a lot of ideas from it. But uh, I've been wanting to talk with you for some time because you know so much about uh, the power and power generation and whatnot. Uh, Just uh, take one minute. What is your background in power generation, Dave? Well, I had been with Westinghouse Electric for about half my career. I was the general manager of their international service subsidiaries for industrial and generating equipment. I ran their power generation service business. I ran their China joint ventures for power generation equipment manufacturer, a partner with Shanghai Electric. I left there in about 24, 25 years ago to found the Mitsubishi Power Systems activity in the Western Hemisphere, which is Mitsubishi Heavy Industries engaging in large steam turbine and gas turbine manufacture and service in the Western Hemisphere, which we did through, started with seven people. By the time I retired a couple of years ago, we had 2,300, wow. a very large business providing large frame gas turbines and steam turbines to utilities mainly throughout the Western Hemisphere. So I'm very involved in the power generation space as a practitioner, very knowledgeable of it. Well, that's, um, that's very, very good. Um, I love power. Um, I was trained as an electrical engineer. I didn't go the power route. I went um, more computer and communications and that sort of thing, but I always have had an interest in the power. Um, Can you summarize where are we right now, based on your knowledge, nationally with our electric grid and ability to create power? Well, sometimes misnamed the grid, we're really talking about the power generation system, the the network of power plants that generate meaningful amounts of electricity for our way of life, industry, for health and safety, for food storage and the cold chain, all of that dependent on electrification, lighting, of course. Um, we're, We're in trouble, and we're in trouble because we've decided, um, oh, some 15 years ago to begin to actively begin the process of shutting down continuous base load, you know, constant duty, on de- they're called on-demand power plants, which are large coal plants, large nuclear plants, and in some cases gas turbine plants that run all of the time and can be controlled based on human commands. Yes. Um, and replacing that kind of capacity that is meant to be running all the time, which is totally necessary, as you know, electricity is needed 24 hours a day, right. um, replacing it largely with stuff that runs a very brief time and is very intermittent, that being mainly solar and wind. Yeah, now, to some extent, we've displaced a lot of coal plant capacity with gas-fired capacity. That's been a good thing for inf- efficiency reasons, cost reasons, and the environment on things that really matter in terms of pollution, not mm-hmm. CO2. Right. But but otherwise have displaced baseload continuous duty assets. With Solar operates nationally on average only 5.2 hours a day, about 5 to 5.2 hours a day. Wind on land operates nationally on average about 7.5 hours a day, the deficit being the rest of the time. So you've got 19, 19 and a half naked hours for solar, 
and nearly 17 naked hours for wind when it's simply not present. And then in the times that those things do operate, they operate with the vicissitudes of nature. And that is, they come and they go, and you can't tell when that's going to be. I mean, there's some megatrends on that. Yeah, that I can tell you what. We do know there's no solar <laughs> after 4.30 p.m. before about 8.30 a.m. Yeah. That we can count on that being zero. The trouble is, a place like Florida, for example, where you would think we have a lot of sunshine, actually, we actually don't from like mid-July through mid-October, begins to get dark here about half the time at about 1230. Uh-huh. When the heavy cloud cover comes, therefore the solar's done. And the average, even in that time, is reduced because of the cloud cover. And that's the time of the period year when it would be needed most to cover off a lot of heat. So it's very, the point is, it's not only a very short time that it runs on average here, about 5.2 hours, for example, but it's very intermittent. You don't really know when you're going to have it. It really the same is. Same is true with wind, which points up the Texas problem. You know, Texas, for example, has become 36% dependent on wind power. Well, the trouble with that is it only runs seven, seven to eight hours a day, and you don't know when that's going to be. So you can't rely on that in a calculation of electricity load carrying capability. No. You can't count on when that's going to happen. So we're into a massive series of uh, shortages and service curtailments being announced by ERCOT in Texas in the midsummer when it gets hot and electricity is needed the most, not because of global warming, but because the electricity generation system is tested the most when it's either very cold or very hot, because that's the peak time of the year when you need the most electricity for heating and other you know, life-giving aspects, and that's when the system is tested. And Texas, we seem to be down to reserve margins of like 1.5% now. Oh, my. Because of heavy dependence on wind power that's very, very intermittent and variable. And Texas needs many more baseload continuous-duty plants. That's that's becoming a national problem, a big national problem. Now, for those who are listening, um, you throw out these terms because you know them, but what is baseload? Can you explain that? Well, it's two things. It's something that, that can, can run all of the time, 24 hours a day. I mean, the old older conventional big power plants, coal, nuclear, combined cycle, are built to be running all of the time, basically. Mm-hmm. And the second hallmark of those generation plants is that they can be operated, turned on and off, and throttled back for partial load duty on human command. Mm-hmm. Uh, Something really exotic, a human, a control system with a start button. <laughs> Imagine that. That a control room operator hits a start button, and we've got electricity being yeah. generated immediately. Um, that's not shared with intermittent renewables that are variable. Those depend on the wind blowing and the sun shining, and principally because electricity is not saved up in the system somewhere. So when everybody drives down the road and sees all the wires and the substations, yes. transformers, there is not a reservoir of electricity in there waiting you know, for us. That is a, it's passing through that stuff. That's a powerful point. I, I'm not sure yeah. that people realize that. It's they not don't. like there's a big capacitor or, or, exactly. or, a, or a battery or a reservoir of power. It, it's, it's just generated on the fly. Second one, second. one second, you know, milliseconds, it's at yes. Central Hudson, yes. and then it's in my outlet. Wow. No, that is a widely misunderstood and not understood phenomenon. Electricity is not in a reservoir of water, a, a barrel of oil. It's not sitting there in a transformer or in the wires. Right. In a millisecond it's created, it's used, or it's gone. 
Therefore, when you don't have a power plant, all that capacity is out of the system immediately. Immediately. It's an immediacy thing. You know, today we're talking with Dave Walsh. He's an expert in this stuff, folks. And I've been watching him for a while, and thank God he had time for us to allow this interview today. Um, I feel like we're getting hit from multiple angles, Dave. You know, on one hand, we're being forced to have a lot of um, green energy, which is not reliable, and you just spoke to that. And then on the other hand, we're being forced to embrace electric vehicles, which rely on what? Oh, they rely on power. And then on another hand, uh, I'm being told that coal plants are being shut down and nuke plants are being shut down. I mean, this we're being hit from all angles here. Yes. No, exactly. Exactly. I mean, while this administration is talking about basically electrifying everything, including home heating in the Northeast and Upper Midwest, electrifying that, electrifying, of course, transportation. Oh, by the way, abolishing gas stoves, electrifying with electric stoves, those electric water heating instead of gas water heating. All this great use of the abundant natural gas resource we have being converted to electricity would mean the EV thing alone would mean a doubling of our electric generation capacity in the country if it went full bore, all EV fleet of transportation. Mm Mm-hmm. If you take the heating and compound that with a heating thing up north and in the Midwest, we're talking now about two and a half times more electrification needed. And we're actually in neutrality. on We're no longer growing our kilowatt hour production per year. No. And here's the why. Well, here's the why. If you look, there's some beautiful charts McKinsey and these consultants put out of all this growth in electrical capacity. What they're doing is taking the wind and solar value at this rating plate value of their the second of the day that they might actually operate at capacity, that's what they use in the charts. Oh, no. <laughs> Instead of the net, the net factor of kilowatt hours per year, that, and by the, which is very well known, because once you get to a 365-day, 8,800-hour generation year, the time that is very well known of precisely how much these things will operate across a year. Yeah. You're talking solar generally 19% of the day, on ground, on ground wind from 22 to 34% of the day. That's it. So when you factor down this new capacity for its net electricity generation production, it's very, very low. And shutting down coal plants, nuclear plants, and big gas plants to displace it with that is a, does that creates a huge deficit yeah. of the reciprocal of the time that that stuff is non-operational. So we're actually, if I look at the utility plants for the next 10 years, we're advancing electricity production in this country by only 4.2% on a net basis across nine years. When it should grow 2.5% a year with the GDP, with the economy, and with inflation and population, about 2.5% a year, we should be growing electrification by about 21% in the next nine years. Forget about EVs and all that stuff. Yeah. Just normal. Just normal. Just normal. Electrification, power generation should grow about 21%. It's going to grow 4% because of shutting down all these baseload plants, coal, nuclear, gas, and introducing all of this part-time intermittent stuff onto the generation system. This is, it's a disaster. It's counterintuitive with everything Biden's promoting also on electrifying everything. Counterintuitive to it. Yeah. Last year or whenever I was talking to a a guy, he said, he was talking about, um, New York shutting down Indian Point, and he says, you know why they shut it down? He says, 
because they could. Because they could. And yet that was that was providing a lot of kilowatt hours, megawatts, to, to, to New York City. Exactly. And New England. And New England. About 3,000 constant megawatts of, electri- of electricity running go. all day and all night long. That supports about 3 million people. Imagine that. You know what? Huge. Connecticut, Rhode Island, and New York. That just burns me up. And, and the other day, I was driving in Kingston, New York. Well, I live near Kingston, New York. And I, I got on 209. I was, I was heading, what was it, west. And I saw this something or other up on, up on a hill. And, and, it's, and it looked like strips. It's like somebody was doing some massive building. And, and I got closer and I realized it's a whole solar farm up there. And I, I don't really care whether it's not. But, you know, you, you try to put a communication tower, just a single stick up there, and you get all kinds of pushback. But no, this green energy, it gets pushed right through. And like you've pointed out, it it's not good for most of the day, and and I can confirm exactly. that. I can confirm exactly. that. Early on, we put solar panels on on our roof. That's before all all the hype about it. Um, you know, is before Y two K and all of that. So we wanted it some way to keep power going, whatnot. Well, it was a real education. I'll tell you. Every time it snowed, zero power out of those panels. Of course, during the night. Zero power. And then during overcast days, a lot less power. And they, they became exactly. basically, uh, they don't put out that much when you, when you take into, you know, our system had batteries and all this, but then you got all the maintenance. And so it was, it was not the panacea it was made out to be. No, no, not at all. For the, for the left and uh, those who support it, it's a badge. It's a badge to show That's how right. I am hijacking to do something. That's right. Showing an exogenous effort to save the planet. In reality, the, the, the solar day in New York, Wisconsin, Michigan is about 4.7 hours. Yeah. Meaning the time on electricity, where, for example, Gretchen Whitmer, Whitmer in Michigan just announced the end of power plants, except solar and wind. She's crazy. I'll minutes. say it right she's out. Crazy. She's She's crazy means converting to stuff that will run, not run, 19.3 hours a day. Will not run. Yeah. And this is a state that's lost McLeod Steel, has lost Great Lakes Steel, has lost Rouge Steel, is, has lost in the past the Chrysler capacity, the Jeep capacity, AMC. We're looking at GM on the ropes, Ford on the ropes that's because right. of EVs. A lot of the industry has gone there already. And now we're going to put the death knell in by, oh, let's shut down the power plants and see, and then let's see how we do for industry. That's the death knell of industry. You can't have basic industry when you don't have mass, constant, high volume electrification at a fair cost. Yeah. And this stuff doesn't. It produces the opposite. The costs are exorbitant. Because here, just just close out on that. Uh, solar, when you factor down that kilowatt hour per year production, it's way low, and put the the cost of the capital. You're looking at four and a half times what it costs to build a conventional combined cycle power plant. <laughs> solar solar is massively expensive on yeah. a capital spending basis. It takes up all kinds of room. And uh, the space is hideous. Yeah. The space is hideous. You're yeah. talking for a 74.5-megawatt solar farm. we got 25 of them in Florida already. Utility-scale solar farms, 75 megawatts each, 
630 mm-hmm. acres on average each one. That's a lot of space. Florida Power and Light has announced a plan to do 90,000 megawatts of solar across Florida. Will consume, if they get away with this, will consume, get this, 1,200 square miles. 1,200 oh square miles. Imagine what you There's could do with one nuclear power plant. One nuclear power plant will take about a square mile. One square mile. Isn't that something? Yeah. We're talking the equivalent of about two and a half nuclear power plants will take. And by the way, but it's not really equivalent because the other issue is you can you can put solar on every inch of Florida. You're still covering about the same 0.2-hour <laughs> window. That's the other, as you know, that's the other problem with it. That, that is the problem. You're not time with that. Yeah. Because it's all in the same time zone, tight, narrow time zone that we're in here to skinny state. It's the same periodicity of the time that it's going to run. That's right. So you've got this huge build out of it. It doesn't matter. It gives you only 5.2 of the same hours. It's a, at a huge cost, a huge cost. Now a contrast. You've established properly so that we are in trouble on our power generation capability. Now let's contrast that to a nation from which we're getting our lithium, from which we're getting our solar PV cells, and that is communist China. And now I want to say right up front, I am not against the Chinese people. I love them. I love them. Our our daughter-in-law is Chinese. And, And But the Communist Party is our enemy. I don't know how else to put this. They want to see our downfall as a nation, do they not? And look what they're doing. What are they doing with their power? Well, to your point, they're allied with Iran, therefore Hezbollah and Hamas through Iran. They're allied with Russia in this activity in Ukraine. Whether or not one believes we should be funding it or not, they are allied with Russia in the activity. They are an enemy. Yeah. Um, now, what they're doing for their people, um, I wish we were doing for our people. We're not. <laughs> they're, electri- they're electrifying their nation. China's energy supply for electricity is heavily concentrated on a couple of big pillars that ours used to be, and that one is self-sufficiency. That's smart. That's right. They have a lot of coal. China has a lot of indigenous coal. 61% of their power generation is done with coal. Mm. And now it's modernized. It used to be pretty dirty, famous for that. Now they're building nothing but ultra-supercritical, highly efficient, and clean coal plants. Yeah, i got a question right there. I've heard this before, and is it true that you can build a coal plant that, that does not pollute or, or pollutes very little? Well, the, the common pollutants, the known named pollutants, that are pollutants, and we all agree, yeah. bad ones that affect health, nitrous oxide, sulfur, um, heavy particulate, and heavy metals like mercury, mm-hmm. those pollutants by our great combustion engineering company in Connecticut, by Lurgy in Germany, by Foster Wheeler in the U.S., Hitachi and Mitsubishi in Japan, and Germany, Japan, U.S., eliminated 86% of the pollutants from coal-fired generation and most of the rest with advancing the at which coal-fired generation happens to supercritical high temperatures to make it way more efficient reducing actual emissions. Notice I didn't mention CO2. It is not an emission. It's a naturally formed substance. And CO2 is not a danger at all. It is not a danger at all. We've eliminated about 87% of the actual harmful pollutants from coal-fired generation. Japan just built 12 supercritical coal plants in Japan after after the tsunami, about five years, six years after the tsunami, Hmm. all commercialized in the last five years to display some of that nuclear capacity and continue to compete effectively in industry with China, their neighbor. Mm-hmm. They did what they have to do for their country. And they'll talk about the renewable stuff, but in reality, 
they recognize they've got to be industrially competitive. Yeah. They've got to protect themselves. They've got to protect their economy. That's what they've done, too. The China, China's announced building two more coal plants per week in the last year and a half. Two per they're gonna, week. They're going to build another 450 coal plants across the next 10 years, they've announced, and further their penetration into coal-fired, supercritical, highly efficient, and, and pretty clean now, coal-fired generation yeah. to support electrifying their 1.1 billion people, which, to your point on their good Chinese people, they should be doing. They should be doing. That's right. The amount of renewables there is about 10%. It's enough to put the badge on, hey, we're selling you this stuff. We're selling That's it to you. That's what it is. Therefore, we're using a little bit of come look. That's what and it is. And we can tell you we're growing fast, but the, the growth in coal, gas, and nuclear vastly exceeds that in China. I'm concerned that, that as we push for this green energy stuff, um, we're importing from the CCP our lithium and our thin film PV cells. Can you speak to that? Exactly. You know this stuff too well. Thin film PV in the world, 86% of it is made in, get this, China. There you go. Lithium ion batteries are processed. The lithium is processed. About 87% of the world's processing is done in China. About 64% of the mined lithium is mined in China. And then other proxy states that they've taken big positions in, Afghanistan, sub-Saharan Africa, uh, and, and in conditions that are appallingly resemblant of slavery, except they involve children in this case. Yes. I mean, no, we've, we've, you know, our elites have happily decided colonial, colonialization in terms of let's go get energy from the third world. Oh, let's keep doing that and rely on basic human bondage of children in That's Africa right. and Muslims in Western China to harvest this stuff that takes huge mining. The, the, the processing and mining of lithium is far more environmentally caustic than coal, way more than coal. You're talking like um, up to up to 20 tons of material to yield one car battery. Oh to my! Be mined. And then huge amount of water discharge to process it that goes into the aquifer and pollutes. So and and it, but the main thing at an exorbitant cost, it's not affordable. Yeah. And so. And, and we become totally dependent on a nation that is hostile to us for that capacity. That's insane. That you makes know, no sense. You know, the older I get, the more I like fossil fuels. Probably somebody will shoot me for saying that. We've got oh. about two or three minutes left. Why don't you summarize and then give folks a, a reference where they can go to read more? Well, fossil fuels are about 94% of the world's energy supply all in. Transportation, home heating and cooling, business heating and cooling commercial, and electrification is fossil fuel-based. You know, we get a slice of nuclear globally, maybe 4%. Renewables, maybe 2 to 3%. Um, hydro is in the mix, but that's been there for a long time. Sure. That's not really a new age renewable, and it's limited by places where you've got enough people you can move out to Correct. let and be erected, and we're kind of unfortunately out of that in this country. Canada's not. Good guy for them. Mm-hmm. Huge country, a lot of space. But, no, the, the existence of fossil fuels, and, and they grow even if you're into lots of renewables, for the reciprocal of the time that they don't run, you've got to have natural gas plants running. There's no, there's no question about it. So as you build out more solar and wind, you're definitionally building out about 74% more natural gas plants to offset the time that those won't run, definitionally. Yes. yes. So you, you can't not like fossil fuels. You need to work on ways to keep making them more efficient. Gas, the gas conversion in the U.S. from a lot of coal plants to gas plants, gas-fired combined yeah, cycle plants, good. has reduced emissions for 
bad word, CO2 per capita <laughs> in the U.S. by 42% per megawatt hour, much wow. more than Germany, much more than England, who've wow. taken a binge on solar and wind just by our converting a lot of older inefficient coal plants sure. to combined cycle, highly efficient natural gas. We've had enormous reduction yeah. in CO2 per megawatt hour. Not yeah. that that's been necessary, but these plants run cheap, very cheaply. Yeah. It's generally natural gas has been very cheap yeah. and very efficiently. Well, our guest today has been Dave Walsh, Managing Director of Takoda Group, LLC. And Dave, is there a reference you would like to give for people to go off and read more? Well, you can read my stuff on these topics on Getter at Dave Walsh Energy and on Truth Social at Dave Walsh Energy. So I'm um, pretty active on those fronts, issuing uh, some Sounds daily good. messaging on energy and what's what we need to do. Well, I wish, I wish we had people like you in our government instead of these nutcases that are driving us to destruction where we're going to start having rolling brownouts if we're not careful. We're there already in Texas and California, coming to visit uh. Uh, Minnesota, Michigan soon, New York very soon, with their unbelievable, unexecutable plan to be 70% renewable, and, and then within 10 years in Florida, I hate to yeah. say, in Florida. Now, we're, we're headed this way elsewhere in the country. I this tell is you, a horrendous problem. This, really, this really gets me torqued because um, I love people, and I love to see people taken care of and, and yes. allowed freedom. And, and prosper. And, and, prosper. and this is a recipe to slavery, this Green New yes, Deal stuff. Dave yes, Walsh, my yes, friend. God bless you, and keep up the good work. Good. Thank you, sir. appreciate being on today. Thank you. And dear listener, please join us next week for another edition of A Plain Answer. Man.